Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Prime Sports Network podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lauer, with my two co-hosts, Josh Fan and Prime Connor. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing some questions about the Kansas City Chiefs. I am not as much of an expert on the Kansas City Chiefs as my co-hosts are, so I'm going to ask the questions, and they will answer them to the best of their abilities, and just kind of give us an insight on how they feel on these questions or just give us some answers in general. So with this first question, I'm going to start off with, uh, what is the ideal order the Chiefs' backfield should continue to be for the rest of the postseason or even heading into the next season? Uh, Well, I think anyone with two working eyes can see that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is by far the worst running back on roster. I'd probably even take Darwin Thompson over him. Clyde has no breakaway speed. He has no strength, he runs with no power, he has no burst, he's too short to be effective in the passing game. The only way he really gets yards is because Joe Tooney, Trey Smith, and Creed Humphrey are so dominant, it just makes it easy for him to get a few yards up the middle, and that's where most of his yards per carry comes from. He's not good, simply put and he's i'd say he's an active detriment to the offense and we just saw jarek mckinnon have a great game against the steelers and daryl williams and uh Derek gore have both shown flashes so simply put you just need to ride the hot hand whoever looks the best you throw them out there and i'm fairly certain that the hot hand is never going to be clyde but andy is going to continue to throw clyde out there to make the pick look good and that is just extremely frustrating yeah i mean i'm a lot of the same connor and i share um a similar opinion on clyde i mean just there's nothing special about him there's nothing that he does like particularly well i mean the dude has rushed for four or he has four games in which he's rushed for 100 yards in his career and three of those four games came against bottom five run defenses like he doesn't do much of anything well like i said and jarek mckinnon we saw him I mean, have a monster game this past Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it was just refreshing to finally get a running back that was athletic enough to bounce outside and make those cuts and make guys miss. And he had the speed to hit the holes. And it's just, it still baffles me that the Chiefs would draft a guy and Clyde that not only isn't a great running back, but can't do anything that they ask of running backs in their scheme like the pick just it never made sense to begin with and it still doesn't make sense now um mckinnon has to be the guy moving forward even though i'm afraid andy is going to give him his obligated 12 carries a game but you know if you ask a lot of chiefs fans right now if they to rank the four running backs that they have on roster one through four i think a lot of people would put clyde fourth and I can't really argue with them. I get that he has slightly better numbers um, than some guys when it comes to yards per carry or yards after contact, whatever. A lot of that is just because he gets such a high volume because the staff, you know, puts this blind trust in him. I consistently see the dude run into the pile for two yards, uh, missing cutback lanes. And yeah, I mean, you get the point. He's nothing special, and I really hope the Chiefs move forward with McKinnon. I think he just had a better performance than any other Chiefs running back over the last two seasons, really. So you got to stick with him. I mean, it would be a crime to do anything else. Okay, so the question is, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Josh first. Rank all four prominent Chiefs running backs between Jarek McKinnon, Gore, Williams, and Clyde. It's McKinnon one. Uh, 
Daryl too. And Daryl's had a really nice season. People have... It's weird. People have hated on Daryl because he doesn't have, you know, significantly better measurables than Clyde. But he just had a year in which he accumulated 1,000 yards from scrimmage. So... I mean, he's had a good year. He's a significantly better pass catcher than Clyde out of the backfield. Um, so he's definitely someone that's going to have a role in the rotation. And then Derek Gore, he's someone that I would sprinkle in for a few carries because I think he's got nice vision and good shake. And then Clyde's fourth for me. Honestly, I'm sorry, and people are going to disagree with it, and they're going to be all up in arms. But if I'm the Chiefs coaching staff, since the Chiefs have typically gone three deep at running back for most of the year, usually there's been an odd man out when everyone's healthy. I think Clyde should be the odd man out. I would nail his ass to the bench. All right. How about you, Connor? Uh, Josh, I think you were a little too kind to Clyde. Fuck Midget Boy, frankly. Uh, like I said, he has nothing really going for him. And I think it's really hard to rank McKinnon, Daryl, and Gore. Like, obviously, everyone's going to say McKinnon's number one right now just because he's coming off a great performance against the Steelers. I don't know if that's necessarily fair to Daryl and Gore to do that based off of one performance. I think that you just need to go whoever's the hottest hand among uh, those three. They're all kind of like one A, B, and C to me, and then Clyde is by far the fourth one on the depth chart. And Darwin Thompson just re-signed, so I'd even say that, honestly, Clyde and Darwin are pretty similar. So Darwin and Clyde are at the bottom, and... Daryl, Derek, and Jarek are obviously uh, your running back by committee. Well, I'll add one thing to that uh, just to kind of boost McKinnon up a little bit more it, because it's not even just one game for me, but I love the signing when it first happened at the beginning of the season. I said he's the perfect third down back. Um, he has the athleticism. You know, me and you, we love breakaway speed and our running backs, especially for a Chiefs offense that's literally built around having speed. Um, it's just weird to you not use someone on your roster that has speed, has athleticism, and all of that was confirmed on Sunday against the Steelers because we saw it on full display. And it's just weird how he only had 25 touches in the regular season, but I, I really do think he has to be the guy moving forward because, I mean, you want someone out there most of the time that has home run ability and that can fight for those extra yards because, like, even though McKinnon is, like, the slimmest of all the backs... He puts his head down a lot, and he's actually a really violent runner. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to tack that onto what Connor said. All right. Moving on to the next question we have. This might be a little bit of a short one. Have the Kansas City Chiefs hit their ceiling this season already? I say, as far as like game wise, like, like have they played like their best game this year? I would say yeah, and that would probably be the first uh, Raiders game from earlier this year. I believe that was the one right before the bye week. I, Patrick Mahomes threw for like 400 yards and like four touchdowns. Uh, he had a really good game. I mean, yes, look, people will debate that. Maybe they'll say the Chargers game, fine, yeah, whatever. I don't think they'll probably play much better games than those. But as far as like, you know, how good, good they are i i don't think they've hit their ceiling yet because i think the reason like me and connor get so pissed off about them is because they are capable of playing better 
but just so often they play down to their competition and they just consistently shoot themselves in the foot. I think it's one of the main issues that still faces this team is that they do stuff like starring slow against the Steelers. If they do that against the Bills, it's going to be a lot harder to get back into it. And if they, but if they don't, and Mahomes goes right to seven straight possessions scoring a touchdown like he did against the Steelers. I mean, it's going to be hard for the Bills to beat that. I mean, Mahomes just put up a touchdown on seven straight drives against the Steelers. Like, that's insane. It's unheard of. Uh, I, I read some stat from ESPN that it was, like, the fastest span in which a quarterback is thrown for five touchdowns in NFL history. So, you know, they're up and down, but I don't think they've quite hit their ceiling yet. Is the question, have they played to their full potential, or have we seen the best of them that we're going to see this season? Because those are two very different questions. question I, is, the ceiling this season. I don't think that they've played to their full potential, and I don't think that they're going to. I think we've probably seen them peak. And uh, like one of the games Josh said, they probably peaked around like the Raiders game. And I'm predicting that the Bills game... It's probably going to be pretty ugly. You know, you were just saying, like, Patrick Mahomes scored on uh, seven straight possessions or whatever you said. Well, Josh Allen and the Bills scored every possession against the Patriots. Yeah. So, I and like you were talking about with starting slow, I feel like we're probably going to do that again because everyone knows Chiefs tend to start out really slow in the playoffs. And if the Bills play like they did against the Patriots and they are score every possession, if you start off slow your season's over. So I feel like we've probably seen the best that we're going to see from this team. All right, going on to the next question. What is your biggest threat heading into this Chiefs-Bills game? I kind of alluded to this uh, in the answer to the question before, and I think Connor will probably say the same thing. Honestly, it's not like one thing or like one matchup going into this bills game like oh my god i'm afraid of stevon Diggs versus our corners i would honestly just say it's this team shooting themselves in the foot like that is probably the number one thing that has plugged them all year long fluky turnovers uh just guys like me and connor bitch about mccall hardman all the time because he makes boneheaded decisions on special teams and with the ball in his hands like Th that is one of the biggest things that's killed them is shooting themselves in the foot one way or another and if they can just not do that they can beat just about anybody i sort of agree with that but you know there is going to be like the stupid ass shit that happens like with mccall or like uh mahomes throwing the pick uh, that was just a horrible decision or like somebody fumbling or something stupid like that, you know, is going to happen in the first half. And Buffalo just looked like world beaters against New England. They have the number one scoring defense. They have a quarterback who's playing as good as anyone else in the league is. I am not sure how you beat that if you don't play a complete game. So I think it's the biggest threat to us isn't exactly any specific matchup but it's just the fact that buffalo's as complete of team as anyone in the playoffs you know everyone has like some glaring weakness in the playoffs uh you know like green bay's is kevin king tampa's is a lack of corners but there's no like glaring weakness that we can exploit against buffalo and you know the only way i think we win this is if like 
Buffalo comes out and shoots themselves in the foot. One counter I will make, and I see, I always uh, struggle to keep myself from using transitive property to predict wins in the NFL. Like, I know the Bills are coming off a complete ass kicking against the Patriots. And I know a lot of Chiefs fans aren't confident for that reason. And I'm look, I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to win. Like, I am terrified of this Bills game. But the Bills did play the Patriots twice this year, including like two weeks before the postseason. So they were very familiar with them. And both teams have honestly changed a whole lot since that week five game like the chiefs defense was at an all-time low in that game like not even just in like the spags mahomes era but like just in nfl history like that defense was god awful they're playing a lot better so they're definitely going to give us a chance in this game i think this game's going to really going to come down to the offense and how they execute but i i think the chiefs have more of a chance than maybe you're letting on but again, I'm terrified of the game regardless. Like I, if the Bills come out and they win by two scores, like I'm not going to be surprised. I'm just not expecting Steve Spagnuolo to have a better game plan than Bill Belichick. Uh, it, well, again, it kind of goes back to the uh, they faced multiple times and they were familiar. Like by then, like the Bills or I'm sorry, the Patriots had thrown everything at Josh Allen that they could have all year. And eventually he was going to get over that. I think the Chiefs' best chance in this game and something that killed them in that week five matchup was Josh Allen leaving the pocket and they need to put a QB spy on him. Like Willie Gay, he is built for this game and you didn't really have Willie Gay in that first Bills matchup. Uh, he had, it was his first game back and he played maybe like 10 snaps, but you need to put him like to spy on Allen and keep him in the pocket, maybe force him into uh, stepping into a sack or um you know forcing the bills to run the ball a little bit more because the bills just aren't a team that runs the ball all that effectively like there are ways to win this game for the chiefs but it's easier said than done all right heading into the next question might be similar answers i predict if you were the head coach of the kansas city chiefs for this next postseason matchup against the bills what would your main game plan be uh, I mean, kind of like what you were saying, you have to QB spy Josh Allen. We saw against the Patriots, like, I don't think that the Patriots necessarily even played a bad game. It was just that the Bills were better. Nothing that the Patriots did necessarily seemed wrong. It just seemed like Buffalo had a good counter. Like, if everyone's covered, Josh Allen's just going to take it himself 20 yards downfield. So there was nothing really New England could have done. It was just that Buffalo was better. So, like... I think you're right with keeping Josh Allen in the pocket, and that's all you can really hope to do. Uh, I think uh, Ward has had some success against Diggs in the past, so I yeah. guess you can just hope that that replicates itself. You'll probably put Snead on Cole Beasley. But for the offense, I think this offense is pretty deadly as long as you don't kill it with Clyde, because I always say that Andy Reid... Uh, is basically playing Canadian football when he has Clyde out there because uh, in Canada they only have three downs instead of four and Andy just has a tendency to waste first down with just running Clyde into a wall expecting something to happen so if you actually use all three downs this offense win in rhythm is pretty unstoppable but it just depends on what kind of day they're having and I think you have to come out slinging the ball 
probably have Jarek McKinnon out there as your lead back almost the entire game because you really probably can't afford to run the ball that much uh, when you have a guy like Josh Allen on the other side and just how hot he's going to be. So it's just going to have to be, uh, you just have to keep pace with them. And that's going to come by slinging the ball to guys like Kelsey and Tyreek because you know one of them is going to get open. Yeah, so like Connor said, I mean, we're in agreement on QB spying Josh Allen. That and you just got to trust these DBs to effectively cover who they're on. And the pass rush is going to be huge in this game too. They've got to get pressure on Allen, especially with four. I know Spags loves to blitz and sometimes to a fault. Um, and he's going to blitz in this game. But you need to make sure that your covers is in check because last time... Uh, Allen completely picked this area apart. No Sorensen. Don't if you if he puts Sorensen at deep safety in this game, and he left up a touchdown. I'm not gonna feel sorry for Spags when he's fired. As far as the offense, you know, I was listening to, and I think Connor, you were in this space. I don't know how long you listen with uh, Nick Jacobs, but he was talking about how, like the Bills, the last time the two teams played they were able to crash down on these runs like with Clyde because they knew uh, wherever they crashed down to Clyde was likely going to be there because Clyde is not a dynamic athlete and he's not going to make, you know, these athletic cuts to cut back lane or to uh, the a gap or the B gap, whatever. Whereas McKinnon is actually dangerous in that area. Like he can just flash into another hole when you thought he was going in the other one he can actually bounce outside and the bills are not a team that you would call a strong run defense they're not as bad as they were last year but nothing to write home about you probably need to establish the run with mckinnon in this game and then also instead of throwing directly at the bills defensive backs i would do a lot of what the chiefs have been doing luckily mccall's been better lately when you get him the ball in space get mccall the ball in space the screen game was also fantastic against the steelers run screens against these guys until they prove they can stop it that's what i would do i will never advocate for screen passes but i will admit it did work against the steelers but i just have a fundamental hatred of screen passes so i'm never going to advocate for that well, I think part of the problem with the screen passes was the Chiefs would run them to players like Clyde in the past all the time, and Clyde doesn't have the speed to break off a long one on a screen. I know it's kind of become a Clyde bashing show, but... Well, that's what happens when players are bad. I'm going to move on to the next question. Do you personally believe uh, you have a shot at the big dance for the third season in a row? And if you defeat the Bills, will it change? Yeah, I still think they have a legitimate shot. I know, like, Connor's a little more pessimistic than I am about them. Like, they can still beat the Bills, and if they do, I think it's actually downhill from that game. I think this game probably pretty easily determines the AFC, because I think either of these teams, whoever wins, is beating whoever the heck comes out of the Cincy and Tennessee game. And, yeah, if they win this game, obviously, that's just going to make me feel more confident that they can make it back. Well, I feel like Buffalo's definitely the hardest team that they're going to face outside of maybe, like, Tampa in the Super Bowl, potentially. I mean, I don't think that it gets extremely easier after this game. And, of course, they have a shot to win the Super Bowl. We're in the divisional round. Every team here deserves to be here. There's no Eagles. There's no Steelers. There's no Raiders. Every team has proven that they are Super Bowl contenders. You can really make an argument for even San Francisco going all the way. Every team has looked 
strong at something that wins them games. And, like, if we win this game, we'd play either Cincinnati or Tennessee, and I wouldn't really call either of those a layup. I'd like the matchup against Cincinnati better because uh, they barely eked out a win against us a few weeks ago, and I feel like that game's probably different if it's a playoff atmosphere at Arrowhead, and the Bengals are kind of a Cinderella story right now, so eventually the clock has to strike midnight on them. But Tennessee scares me because, first of all, it would be in Nashville, and they're getting King Henry back with fresh legs, and they've been winning games without him, so why would that stop once they get him back? So Tennessee really scares me in that uh, aspect. They're a team that could really easily just fall apart with injuries to guys like Julio, but if they're a fully healthy team, they are deadly. And then if they make it to the Super Bowl, I don't think they're going to play San Francisco again. I think Green Bay probably takes care of business uh, against them in the divisional round because Green Bay is getting a ton of reinforcements back. And I'm just going to assume the Packers are going to lose in the NFC Championship game because it happened every year for as long as I can remember. So that means that they'd probably play either LA or Tampa in the Super Bowl. And Tampa scares the shit out of me more so of PTSD than anything and my fucking hatred of Tom Brady and I cannot stand losing to this piece of shit again. And that defense with their just deadly pass rush uh, scares me, but admittedly their secondary has kind of fallen apart due to injury and it's it'd be a lot easier without guys like Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown that we'd have to cover but we still can't cover Gronk for some fucking reason no uh, one can everyone was covering Gronk for a while there and then in the Super Bowl the Chiefs just didn't cover him or no I think it was the regular season matchup was his best game of the season against the Chiefs And then he played well in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs again, and now it just seems like everyone forgot what they were doing to him last year, and he's just good for some reason again. And then obviously Mike Evans is a beast, so we'd still have to worry about those guys, but it'd be a lot easier without Godwin and AB there. And of course, bitch-ass Brady is going to throw these bitch routes all day long to guys like Cyrell Grayson just immediately after the ball snapped. And of course, you know, every team plays fucking 10 yards downfield, so he gets these short passes out. So playing Tampa would be really hard. And then LA, I feel like they could beat LA pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, There's not really any particular reason why I'd probably put Snead on Cup. I like that matchup. You know, LA doesn't really scare me, but the teams that I'm scared of are all the remaining AFC teams and then Tampa. I feel like they can beat everyone else, but I'd definitely rather play Cincy in the AFC Championship than Tennessee, though. Real quick, a point that Connor kind of brought to my attention again is just the amount of parity we've had in the NFL this year. It's like... More than we've had in a long time, which is also kind of why I'm more so confident in this Bills game than maybe uh, other people are. And that's because, like, well, even after the Bills beat us in week five, a few weeks after that, they lost to the freaking Jaguars. And yeah, the Chiefs played horrible at the beginning of the year, and they lost pretty badly. But they never had a bad loss, like, to a team that, like, they just shouldn't have lost to. Like, the teams they all lost to this year, like, okay, you could have seen that happening. That Jaguars loss, like, if that happened to us, that'd be inexcusable. And then also, I just wanted to agree with Connor about the AFC championship matchup that 
I would prefer, and that's Cincinnati, because I feel like it took everything going right for them to win that game, and that was on the road in Cincinnati. I would much rather have Cincy come to Arrowhead in a playoff game than us go to Tennessee and play them, although I don't, you know, I'm not scared of Tennessee. They've been one of the most bipolar teams in football, like, all year and yeah i just be confident in that cincy game as well because of the fact connor mentioned they're in the middle of the cinderella story and the chiefs had to go through that uh and it was a humbling experience in 2018 that was like the year they needed that year of experience before they really like mature as a team and make a deep super bowl run i don't think the Bengals are quite there yet but they are a really fun team They'll probably, I'm confident in saying that I believe Joe Burrow will win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, he has everything you want in a quarterback and everything that a Super Bowl quarterback has. I'm just not sure that it's going to be this year. I don't think Cincinnati is as complete a team, but they're almost there, just not quite. All right, and moving on to the next question. This is more of a open-ended question, and I know both of you have different viewpoints on this, so... I'll see how this goes. Is Spags still worthy of being DC? It's like a really differing opinion from me. I will let him go first and I'll just kind of sit back and listen. If you would have asked me uh, like eight weeks ago, I would have said no uh, because I'm often pretty harsh on coaches. I've openly campaigned for Andy Reid to be fired on several times because he does a bunch of stupid shit like his clock management that just pisses me off. And like I was talking about earlier with him basically playing Canadian football. So like I'm pretty hard on coaches, but I think Spags can stick around. Like, if you're going to fire him at this point, you should have just never hired him because I think he's kind of been as advertised. And a lot of my issues with him, you know, I was expecting. And I know something that Josh is going to say is, like, personnel decisions. But to me, like, a lot of the personnel and, like, subs that Spags makes and snaps to players that don't deserve it, I feel like is more of a Veach thing. Because, you know, there shouldn't be any sorry players on this roster. And Veach consistently re-signs these sorry-ass players like Ben Neiman. So, I don't fault Spags too much for playing them. I more so put the blame on Veach for having them on roster. But I understand, like, why you would have an issue with Spags for doing that. If there was some extra bonus, like, if you got rid of Spags, the new DC, like, got rid of Frank Clark or something like that, I do want to see a lot of personnel change on this defense player-wise. Like, I want Frank Clark cut. I don't want to re-sign Tyron Matthew. I know a lot of people will probably think, like, I'm crazy, especially for the Matthew one. But I feel like uh, safeties are kind of going the way of the running back and becoming a dime a dozen. Like Trey Boston has been a free agent all year. Sign him to a futures deal and reallocate the money that you'd spend on Tyron Matthew somewhere else. And it seems like there's a lot of underappreciated players on this defense that I think pick up a lot of... a lot of the slack like Tyron honestly has not been uh great this year we saw him missing a lot of tackles against Pittsburgh and Frank Clark is actively shit uh so I my favorite players on this defense are the underappreciated guys like Fenton Sneed Bolton Gay those are my guys so if getting rid of Spags means uh Tyron and Clark are gone that's fine but he hasn't a good comparison for me 
is Steve Wilkes, and Josh knows all about this. Uh, Mizzou's defense was fucking horrible early on in the year, <laughs> but Steve Wilkes kind of figured it out and got his groove, and Mizzou's defense finished the season probably the strongest unit on the team, and he just kind of figured himself out. So I feel like Spags has kind of gone the same way, and his defense has kind of figured it out. And if, like, he uh, was shit the entire year, yeah, get rid of him. If he's shit next year, yeah, get rid of him. But the defense figured itself out. I think the big change on the defense was the trade for Melvin Ingram. Yeah. Because it was just a really stupid-ass offseason by Veach. And again, this is something that I know a lot of people will put on Spags, but I blame Veach. Just the personnel change on the defensive line. You want an extra pass rusher. Admit you can't get an extra pass rusher or anyone good to come by cutting Alex Okafor and then re-signing him. And your big addition on the pass rush was sorry-ass Jerron Reed who got cut by the Seahawks because him and Frank Clark were a mediocre duo in Seattle. Are you fucking serious? So, and then they had the bright idea to play him and Nadi on the inside and then have Clark and Jones on the outside, which I just knew was going to be a disaster from the start. Why would you take the best defensive tackle in the NFL, not named Aaron Donald, and play him on the outside? You don't see the Colts playing Buckner on the outside. And the defense was terrible. But once we got Ingram, who Melvin Ingram is by far the best edge rusher on the team in the pass rushing rotation, and you can kick Chris Jones back inside where he is the best in the game, the defense magically gets better. And so, yeah, I blame Veach for the defensive struggles more so than I do Spags. Long story short. So, I, well, I think a lot of the uh, blame was shared all around, especially when this defense was performing really bad. Now, I'll say that, you know, barring a defensive meltdown, Spags, yeah, he still deserves to be DC, even though I have some issues with him. Like, if you didn't fire him in the middle of the year for that disaster, like, you can't fire him now after what the defense has been able to do. It just wouldn't be justified. But, you know, some of the problems I have with Spags, like Connor said, is like the personnel decisions. I just still don't agree with them. And I don't think it's all, well, Veach didn't give them, well, he re-signed the shitty players. Because I think Spags and Reed have significant pull in who gets re-signed and who gets brought in. And, you know, during the draft process, like if you don't think Reed signs off on every single pick, you're out of your mind. And that's where I had, that's why I think the blame is shared a lot because, even though Veach, yeah, he did re-sign guys like Sorensen and stuff technically, you know, I think the, Reed and Spags had pull, and when they were performing terribly, well, Veach is taking all the bullets for them, and really, Veach has invested high picks in guys like Dorian O'Daniel and Armani Watts, who I think deserve a shot, and he consistently plays Sorensen, who just obviously is not an NFL player at this point in his career. I mean, if you cut him today, not a single team would sign him. It's just stuff like that that really annoys the hell out of me, and it takes him forever to finally figure out this stuff. Like, it took him six weeks to finally put Juan back there, and everyone was forgiving him. Uh, when the defense did their magical turnaround because, you know, th they were playing great and everyone's happy. And he was still sneaking Sorensen into the lineup just a tiny little bit and everyone was letting it slide. No one was really talking about it because the Chiefs were winning. But then you had games like the Bengals game where he went back to his old ways 
Sorensen was in deep coverage and he was helping Charvarius Ward, who you put one on one on Jamar Chase, who Jamar Chase had like 180 yards receiving by the end of the first half. You come out in the second half and you don't make a single adjustment and Ward is back on him. And even though Ward was in the right spot, which it's been the fucking story of Charvarius Ward's career being in the right spot, but still getting mauled. We give him credit for being in the right spot when him being in the right spot doesn't really do anything but i digress you know you continue to put him on chase when he's just more talented he's a better receiver and everything than ward is a cornerback and it just really hurt the team uh and then he did the all-out blitz on third and 27 a cover zero on third and 27 that's the exact shit that got greg williams fired uh when he was dc for the uh uh jets but Spags, yeah, it wouldn't make sense to fire him now after the turnaround that they've had. And also the stuff with the defensive line, too. I think that you could actually put on Beach. Like, this team needed a pass rusher, and his highest investment was Joshua Kando in the fourth round. And Jaron Reed, if you, like, want to count that. As, because that wasn't even really a long-term investment. That was, like, you know, a one-year pickup. That... I think you can put on beach and they had Melvin Ingram in the building. We should have signed him. I mean, Connor and I were pissed when he signed with the Steelers. Cause I mean, you could have had him, you literally could have had him. And it was a horrible look to then trade for a player. You could have signed in free agency eight weeks later. And also one of the reasons I have also been down on spags, even heading into the year is when they brought him in, it was the reason behind bringing him in was oh this is someone who's stopped brady multiple times to win super bowls you brought him in to stop brady and he miserably failed at that on the biggest stage and even though people are going to talk about the offensive line and everything in that game which yeah was the biggest reason they lost the defense was also a disaster in that game so I'm rambling a little bit. There's a lot of reasons I have issues with Spags. I think the Chiefs could still upgrade at defensive coordinator. That said, Spags, I mean, it's not like he deserves to be fired at this point. Like Connor said, though, if he comes out next year and he's shit, yeah, like there's been too many stretches of bad football to continue putting up with that stuff every year. That's fair. I will say if we were given the option between uh, Spags or Mike Zimmer coming in, I'd take Mike Zimmer 10 times out of 10, so I'd be completely fine with upgrading, but at this point, I'm not sure how many upgrades there would be, but you're totally right with the Brady thing. Like, his entire reason for coming here was because he beat Brady with those two Giants teams, and his defense was complete shit against him uh, in the Super Bowl. But yeah. one thing about those Giants teams is why and why those Spags defenses won those matchups is because they got to Brady with uh, rushing four. And you're not going to do that when Frank Clark is your second best pass rusher. Uh, yeah. You need a better number two guy. And I think we have a better number two guy now in Melvin Ingram uh, who will actually be able to get to Brady if that happens again. And we all know Chris Jones fucking hates Brady and he'll get pressure but you need that other guy those giants teams had michael strahan but they also had justin tuck so we have our michael strahan we just need our justin tuck and i think ingram could be that guy all right into the final question of the podcast episode what are some realistic goals you have if the season were to end right now heading into the off season so just to clarify when you ask this you do mean like uh goals for the team like what would i do to like make the team better or like you know uh improvements to the team 
I'd say overall improvements to like, would you focus mainly on the pass rush or the secondary or offensive side, the running back, so on and so forth? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I think like looking at the draft, I think the top two needs this team has to address early on in whatever combination is defensive end and uh, wide receiver. So defensive end obviously is a huge need because looking at the depth chart right now, you have Alex Okafor, Mike Dana, Frank Clark, Melvin Ingram, and Joshua Kando. The only two surefire returners are like Dana and Kando, and that's just because that's what their contracts allow. Okafor was always a desperation signing. I imagine he's gone. Frank Clark is probably going to get cut. Maybe he comes back on a more team-friendly deal, but he's probably gone. Um, so that leaves you with Kando and Dana, and then there's Ingram. I, I I bet Ingram they probably bring back on one more one-year deal. But then you got to inject some youth and talent finally into this group. Um, so you got to go edge. And then receiver, wide receiver two was one of the biggest pulls on this roster all season long. They struggled in so many games where the offense did not perform well. It's because Kelsey and Hill were being defended really well by the other teams, and the Chiefs just didn't have anyone else that really scared defenses. Like, Pringle's fine, but he's just a guy. McColl's fine, but he's just a guy. You need someone that can take the top off a of defense or get those, or can also get those catches uh, over the middle of the field. I'm hoping that maybe now with Jamison Williams getting hurt in the national championship, maybe his stock drops and the Chiefs could grab him. I would absolutely love that pick. And then I also think they need to, maybe on day two or three, address running back once again and get someone who can actually break through the uh, holes and you know not go down at first contact all the time like Clyde they need an athlete there and then also I would like to see them maybe invest uh, in cornerback because for the longest time they've been able to get away without investing high in cornerback um, luckily, they hit the lottery with Legereus Need, who's been fantastic for a fourth-round pick. But you need someone that can match up on the outside with the Jamar Chases of the world, where like Charvarius Ward struggled because Ward's just not a good enough player to cover a guy like Chase. And the Chiefs have had trouble with bigger receivers too. Like I know in the Steelers playoff game, Big Ben was throwing up a lot of 50-50 balls and. The Steelers used their bigger receivers like Chase Claypool and Juju when he came back to run those plays. And the Steelers were maybe hoping to draw some DPIs and holdings and stuff. And they knew they could, uh, you know, challenge the Chiefs defensive backs. And it luckily didn't work in their favor. But that's the kind of stuff that the Chiefs need to get better at defending. Uh, and then I know Connor's probably going to talk about this. Um, if they bring Tyron back, okay, cool. I hope it's less than $20 million per year. Uh, if they decide to let him walk, you know, I'm not going to be super upset. It'll be a situation where it's like, thanks for your time here. Like, you really helped us out during this three-year run, but obviously things sour towards the end and you're just not in the future plans, um, which is fine. But those are just kind of my general takes, the things I would address. Maybe add another linebacker, but uh, I don't know. Connor, what are you feeling? I'll start off with Tyron Matthew. I mean, Tyron Matthew has pissed me off a lot. Uh, like with the start of the year where he wanted cover, he would just throw his arms up in the air and whine about his teammates. That really pissed me off. 
and um, you know, like with his poor tackling against the Steelers, and like I said earlier, safeties seem to be kind of a dime a dozen nowadays, and Tyron is going to want a lot of money, and um, another thing that he's done that's pissed me off is he talks a lot of shit on Twitter. He blocks more on Twitter than our offensive line has all year, and he has like been liking tweets of like Ravens fans photoshopping him into Ravens unis and stuff like that and it's like okay you can go to be more buddy maybe we'll like tag and trade him to get some draft picks out of it or something but honestly I'm just kind of overtiring and then Frank Clark probably ah, he's probably my second least favorite player in the league I fucking hate him uh he is so goddamn overrated and he doesn't do anything except talk shit and get garbage time sacks uh, and he is being paid like Aaron Donald, Von Miller money so he can get his ass the hell out of Kansas City. And um, that would save a bunch of money getting rid of those two guys. And I'm not sure who we have that are free agents. I think Ward is one of them. He can walk. I really don't care. And then um, if Juan is a free agent, which he might be, I'd want him back. I like him at safety. And I'd like to give Ingram another one-year deal because I think that he's been really good this year. And Jerron Reed can walk. Fuck him. I don't care. And then you just need to... You'd have a lot of money with getting rid of those guys to really work within free agency. So I feel like you could probably put together a decent defense. We put together our Super Bowl defense in one season, even th uh, for all its problems, like the stupid-ass Frank Clark trade. It worked, so I don't know why you couldn't do that again. And then on offense, uh, I disagree with Josh in saying draft a running back late. I feel like running back has become such an oversaturated position. There is no reason to ever uh, draft one or really spend any sort of capital on them. If you want to add a running back next year, Todd Gurley is still a free agent. You could get him on a really cheap futures deal. That's what I'd do. And you know there's going to be some running back that uh, hits the open market. Like Latavius Murray was cut by the Saints. There's always some like quality running back that's going to be available. So, um, just wait for, like, the Latavius Murray of next year or something to get that quality running back. Philip Lindsay was a free agent. Jordan Howard was a free agent. Any of these guys I'd be completely fine with. Uh, but number two, wide receiver is a very big need. McColl can kick rocks. He's a budget Debo Samuel. He's nothing special. He's just fast. You know, everyone says Tyreek Hill is just fast. He's not good. Tyreek Hill has an insane ball skills. McColl is probably the dumbest human being I've ever seen on a football field. So he can go. I don't care. Pringle, you probably bring back on a cheap deal. Uh, Josh Gordon, I guarantee, is gone. But I'd like to see a, uh, like Josh said, a true number two wide receiver. Jameson Williams, I'm a big Alabama guy, so I'd love to see John Mechie too. Maybe if you want to break the bank, I believe DK Metcalf is a free agent. Some people don't think he's re-signing with the Seahawks. Maybe uh, you fix the mistake of not taking DK over McCall Hardman by letting McCall walk and bringing in DK eventually. But yeah, just addressing uh, wide receiver two on offense is your biggest need. And on defense, I would like a deadly pass rush and to just replace the sorry players that I hate on it. Well, 
I mean, I, I guess the only one that I'll just kind of rebuttal is the running back thing. I'm not even saying you have to invest highly in one. Just like maybe on day three, if there's a guy you like when they like when they picked up Darwin, I would be OK with that. Or heck, honestly, like if they did that and then paired that with like bringing back McKinnon for another year. I mean, I, I'd be really happy with that. Like or signing like McKinnon. Like I agree with what you were saying. There's always a quality back that's on the market. That's exactly how we got McKinnon in the first place. So, you know, there's guys like that that will be out there. Oh yeah, I'm just saying with everything I just said, there's going to be some holes on the roster that you need to fill. So, yeah. um, I want Hitchens gone, and there's a lot of guys <laughs> that I want gone, and that piss me off, and I think we'd be better off without like Hitchens and Clark and. So there's going to be holes on this team, and I feel like uh, like James Robinson was a stud running back, Philip Lindsay, Austin Eckler, like these stud running backs who were UDFAs, and guys like McKinnon, Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray, not necessarily like premier backs, but they're going to get you quality snaps if you do a running back by committee like Baltimore was forced to do this year. I'd rather have that and invest my draft picks trying to get uh, starters at these positions where I'm casting off the sorry ass overplayed players that we currently have. All right. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of prime sports network chiefs edition. Make sure to follow us on all our socials. Uh, I believe it's Brady reeks, right? Yep. At least for now. Yep. Brady, <laughs> yeah, Brady reeks for Connor and follow Josh fan on Twitter. Uh, he also has a podcast, Show Me Football. Be sure to check him out and his uh, his episodes. He mainly does Chiefs, but he does a little bit of Mizzou. Um, and with that, thank you for listening, and go Chiefs.